Gospel according to Matthew, uh, Matthew chapter 28, and I will be reading uh, the entire chapter. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like, was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus, who is crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he is going before you to Galilee. And there you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were going, behold, some of the guard went to the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled with the elders and taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole his body away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed. And this story has been spread among the Jews to this day. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And when Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, to the end of the age. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray one more time together. Our gracious Lord and Heavenly Father, we praise you for the glories of the gospel. We praise you, Lord, that you sent your Son to die for our sins so that we could receive life in him and even as he was raised from the grave on the third day, we know that we too who believe in Jesus will be raised with him and go to be with him for all eternity. Lord, we thank you for this gospel. We, we thank you for, for Matthew who recorded these events according to the inspiration of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, for the apostles who faithfully went and proclaimed this good news. Lord, we thank you for those who followed in their footsteps all down through the centuries until someone came and shared the gospel with us. 
And by the power of your Holy Spirit, we too believed and were saved. Lord, I pray that this morning as we consider the risen Christ, that you would work in every heart here in the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, there are some here who have not yet repented and believed. Lord, would you cause them to see Jesus, the risen Christ, to turn from their sins and put their faith in him. And Lord, for all of us who have already believed, I pray, Lord, that these truths would be even closer to our hearts also through the work of your Holy Spirit and that we would be faithful to proclaim this message to others. Lord, we gather here this morning on this Resurrection Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But Lord, every Sunday we gather as a church because you rose, Lord Jesus, on that first day. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to remember every day that we serve a risen Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. We have been looking at the triumphal entry and the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, particularly in chapters 21 and 27 of the gospel according to Matthew. And we've witnessed the fact that so many mistook Jesus' identity. They did not know who he really was. Well, this morning we're going to see how not just their understanding, but also your understanding of who Jesus is will dictate your response to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, we're going to be focusing in Matthew's gospel account, this time Matthew 28. So first of all, we'll see in verses 1 to 10, the good news revealed. The good news revealed. As dawn approaches on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and another Mary went to the tomb. Now, we don't know which Mary was, but thankfully our salvation does not depend on getting the identity of Mary right, but on getting the identity of Jesus right. Mark and Luke tell us that the women brought spices to anoint his body. Now, they were still reeling from what had happened three days prior. Like the disciples, they did not yet understand who Jesus really was, nor what was about to take place. And behold, there was a great earthquake. And Matthew uses the words behold throughout his gospel account, three to- six times rather, in chapter 28 alone. Matthew wants us to look and see to look and see what is taking place. Something amazing is about to happen. And behold, there was a great earthquake and an angel of the Lord descended, came down from heaven and rolled back the stone that had sealed the tomb that the body of Jesus had been laid in three days prior. Luke and John refer to two angels, but Matthew focuses on this one. Now you can imagine the women's shock as they saw him looking like lightning with clothes as white as snow. The angel rolls away the stone and sits down on it. But the women and the angels were not alone at the tomb. Roman soldiers had been stationed there by Pilate at the request of the Pharisees to guard the tomb. 
these soldiers were supposed to prevent the disciples from stealing Jesus' body in order to deceive the people, saying that Jesus had risen from the grave. Now, the guards would have been prepared to stand against any human opposition, but they were not prepared for this. At the appearance of the angels, they became like dead men. Shortly, we're going to see just how true this is. They were paralyzed with fear. Once again, we're, going to, we're already beginning to see how your responding of who Jesus, how your understanding of who Jesus is, is going to dictate your response. Now, the angel does not bother to address these catatonic guards. He ignores them and speaks to the women and says, do not be afraid. Now, the guards were terrified, but these women need not be. The angel continues, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where Jesus lay. And just stop and think about this for a second. Think about some of the, the, the good news that you could get in your life. You have just won $10 million. Your cancer is healed. I'm pregnant. Now those are all things that, that are certainly good news, but they all pale in comparison to this good news. He is not here, for he has risen. Now the women had heard this before. Again and again, Jesus had told them that he would suffer and that he would die, but that three days later he would rise from the grave. But like the disciples, they did not yet understand. Now Luke tells us that the angel reminds the women that Jesus had indeed taught them this. He says, remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Luke 24, 6 and 7. What do you think would have been going through those, women, those women's minds? Do you think they would have doubted? Possibly? Do you think that, 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 they would have been, that they would have been shocked, certainly? Well, we learn a little bit of their response from, from what we read from, from here on in. But, but if the women doubted, we don't know. But the angel did offer them proof. He says, come and see the place where Jesus lay. The angel did not roll away the tomb so that Jesus' body could, could come out from the tomb. Jesus wasn't there. By the time that stone was rolled away, Jesus was already risen. He had already left. He rolled it away so that the women could see inside, so they could see that the tomb was, in fact, empty. He wanted to reveal to them the good news that Jesus had already risen from the grave. Now, the women had been there on Friday. They saw when his body was laid in that tomb and the stone was rolled over to seal it. They were there. But now they're witnessing the fact that he was no longer there. 
And so the angel tells them to go and share the good news. He says, tell them, or says, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And so these women are commissioned as the first evangelists of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the angel adds, and behold, there's that word again, behold, he is going before you to Galilee, there you will see him. And he was reminding them of a prophecy that Jesus had made before his crucifixion in Matthew 26, 32, where Jesus had said that after the resurrection, that he would meet them in Galilee. As if it's not good news enough that Jesus had risen from the grave, he tells them that they will see him for themselves. And the angel says, see, I have told you. There's the word again, behold. The angel has completed his mission. Now he's sending them on theirs. And obediently, they quickly ran to tell the disciples, filled with fear and great joy. As you can imagine, that the news wouldn't have yet sunk in. But on the way, something happens. And behold, there it is again. Jesus met them and said, greetings. Okay, this has to be the best thing, bar none, that has ever happened to them in their entire lives. The risen Christ has appeared to them personally. He had risen from the grave and he chose to reveal himself to them. Think of their joy. These women were the last ones at the tomb when, when that stone was, was placed there. And then they were the first ones at the tomb on the first day of the week. And now they were among the first ones to witness the risen Christ. Only Matthew tells us this part of the story. John tells us that Jesus also appeared to Mary Magdalene at the tomb. It's possible that this is actually the same event that is being described here, but that Matthew is focusing on different details. Think about how the horror of the last three days would have melted away from their hearts and their minds. Think about how the implications of this would have been, been begun to gradually dawn on them. For the first time, they really began to understand who Jesus really is. They fell on the ground before him, took hold of his feet, and worshipped him. Now, Jesus, in speaking to them, repeated the instruction that had been given to them by the angel. Like the angels, he tells them not to be afraid. Like the angels, Jesus commissions them. So now they're commissioned as evangelists of the risen Christ by the risen Christ himself. He also tells them to go and to, to tell them about the disciples, but also that he tells them to go, to tell the disciples to go to Galilee and that he will meet them there again from Matthew 26, 32. But notice that he doesn't use the word disciples there. He says, go and tell my brothers. He's calling the disciples brothers. Beloved, the privilege of being called a sibling of Jesus Christ is not limited to those disciples. If you are here this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ, then you are a brother of Jesus Christ. You are a sister of Jesus Christ predestined 
for adoption in Christ. So the women run and tell the disciples. Now Luke tells us that the women, or that the disciples didn't believe the women. That Peter and John ran to see for themselves. That when Peter st stooped and looked into the tomb, he, he saw the, the linen cloths lying there. But that Jesus' body was gone. They didn't see Jesus. And he would appear to them in Jerusalem that very evening in the upper room. And he would appear to them again in Galilee. So the good news was that Jesus had been raised from the dead and that this good news was revealed to the women by the angel and then subsequently from the, from the women to subsequently from the women to the other disciples. So that's the, the good news revealed. Well, now let's look at the good news concealed from verses 11 to 15. Matthew's account now cuts back to the guards. He tells us the women were already on their way. That their faith and obedience is presented as being in stark contrast to the disobedience that we're about to see. Having recovered in, in one sense from seeing the angels, some of the guards went into the city and told the chief priests all that happened. Now we don't know what exactly they, 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 they saw and heard. They, we know they saw the angel, but we don't know whether they actually heard anything that the angel had said. But, and we can also know that they, they would have seen the empty tomb for themselves. And so they, they'd been given the charge to guard the tomb. And then when they failed their mission, albeit through unforeseen circumstances, they went to tell the chief priests. The chief priests then pulled together the, the religious ruling council, the, the Sanhedrin, to figure out what to do. The council decided to bribe the guards, saying, tell the people his disciples came by night and stole him away while he was asleep, while we were asleep. Now they could have been in serious trouble for falling asleep at their post. The body of Jesus was in the tomb when the stone was sealed, but now the body was gone. And they could have been in, in real hot water with the Roman government. The religious leaders promised to keep the guards out of trouble with Pilate saying, and if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. Well, well there's two groups of people there, but let's, let's first consider the guards. They took the money and they did as they were directed. Now think about again what they'd seen. They had seen two angels descend from heaven. They had seen the stone rolled away. They would have seen the empty tomb. But did they know the implications of this? Did they know that Jesus was alive? Well, we can know for sure that, that they, were, they, were, they would have known that something momentous had happened. But how blind must they have been to, to lie about it for mere money? They concealed the good news out of greed. But as bad as the guards were for allowing themselves to be bribed into silence, those of, of the religious leadership were far worse. And we shouldn't be surprised we already know what they were capable of. After all, these were the same men who had had Jesus crucified three days earlier. 
They had heard the teachings of Jesus. They had heard about the miracles. They had heard about the raising of Lazarus from the dead. But their response? They had feared that the disciples would try to steal Jesus' body and claim that he had risen from the dead. But isn't it ironic that the same story that they circulated is the same one that they had tried to prevent by having the guards placed there at the beginning. An angel, at least one angel, probably two angels, had descended from heaven. They had heard this testimony. Isn't the only logical thing to repent and believe in Jesus? Isn't the only logical thing to say, maybe we were actually wrong about who Jesus was. Maybe, maybe we crucified him when we should have worshipped him. It would be logical. But a hard heart will never believe who Jesus really is. A hard heart will never repent and worship Jesus no matter what happens. I'm reminded of the wicked wealthy man from, in, and Lazarus from Luke 16. We know the story where the rich man was, was at ease in his, in his home and, and Lazarus was a beggar at his gates and, and the rich man gave no heed to Lazarus. But they both died and the wicked man went to hell but Lazarus went to heaven. And the wicked man begged Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his five brothers so that they wouldn't end up in hell too. He asked Abraham to send Lazarus to warn them, to, to send Lazarus back from the grave. What was Abraham's response? Luke 16, 31. If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. The religious leaders had the scriptures. They knew the scriptures, but they did not hear the scriptures. They did not believe the scriptures. So even though Jesus rose from the dead, they did not believe in him. Out of their willful ignorance, they would not believe in him, but instead tried to hide the evidence. They concealed the good news out of blind hatred. Their scheme worked. Matthew tells us that, that the story had been spread among the Jews to that day. That lie was believed, though, not only to the time that Matthew wrote his gospel account, but Justin Martyr speaks of it still being told by the Jews in the middle of the second century. That's still one of the theories that, to explain all the, the evidence for the, the risen Christ, is that, that the disciples came and, and stole the body. But again, this is willful ignorance. Do you see the picture that's forming here? We've seen the good news revealed by, by the angels. We've seen the good news revealed by the women at the tomb. But we've also seen the good news concealed by the soldiers and concealed by the religious leadership. Well, now let's look at the good news appeal from verses 16 to 20. The 11 disciples went to Galilee as they were instructed. Now, Matthew doesn't relay the details of the appearances of, of Jesus around Judea. 
But we, we see from, from, this, from this passage that, that when the disciples saw Jesus, they worshipped him. Now again, this is the only right response to the risen Christ. Jesus had proved who he was through his entire ministry, through his entire life on earth, he had proved who he was. But, but through his ministry and his teaching and his loving service, and now he had capped it all by dying and rising from the grave. Worship is the only thing that makes sense. But some didn't worship. Matthew tells us here that, that even some of his, of his apostles doubted. How could they possibly doubt? Here Jesus was standing in front of them. Now, now, maybe they weren't sure that this was really Jesus. Maybe they were wondering if they were, they were seeing a vision or, or maybe that this was, was a spirit or perhaps even an imposter. Maybe they were wondering, doubting, did Jesus really rise from the grave? Now, on one level, I understand. People don't rise from the grave every day. To worldly thinking, the resurrection, or, or any resurrection, doesn't make sense. Those of you that were here on Friday would have heard my, my son Liam beside himself. And, and I didn't know until, until I got home after the service. He was, he was still inconsolable, but he was, was grieving about the death of Jesus. And I sat him on my knee and... And I explained why Jesus had to die, that he had to, to die for our sins, that the Father had, had poured out his wrath on his Son in our place. And, and it, it didn't make him any, any less, uh, less, less grieved, let me tell you that. But I said, but Liam, Jesus rose from the grave. And he turned and looked at me, looked at me in the eye and said, I don't believe you. And so I, I pulled out the Bible and I, and I showed them from, from Matthew 28 the evidence that, that Jesus had risen from the grave. And then I asked him, Liam, who is Jesus? And he says, he's God. I said, right. And I said, is there anything that, that God can't do? And he said, no. I said, is it possible for, for God to, to stay dead? And he said, No. I said, Liam, do you believe that Jesus rose from the grave? He said, yes. Now, I don't know what's, what's going on in his heart, but, but this was, this, I was just reminded of, of how so many people respond. They, they don't believe the testimony. They don't believe the testimony of God's word. And unless the Holy Spirit works in their hearts, they will never believe, let alone will they never repent and follow Jesus. But these disciples, the, these, these were not four-year-olds. These were grown men. These were men who had, had walked with Jesus for three years. These were, were men who had heard every word that he taught. They had witnessed the miracles for themselves. When Jesus gives them clear instructions in verses 18 to 20. This passage is known as the Great Commission, and it's only included in Matthew's Gospel account. Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. 
Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This, this commission, this, this command is for them not to conceal the good news, but to reveal the good news. This is a command for them to make the gospel appeal to every man and woman. It is a command to tell everyone about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus sends them with his authority as ambassadors to proclaim the good news far and wide. This is a commission to go. It's a commission not to just, just stay and, and sit and, and, and do what you've always done. It's a command to go out of a faithful obedience to the risen Christ. It's a command to make disciples. Not just to make converts, but to, to share the gospel and disciple people to, to bring them up in the word of God. It's a command to, to baptize those disciples in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. It's a, it's a commission to teach all of Jesus' commands. But notice from verse 20, it's also a promise. And lo, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus had risen from the grave. And he was going to be with them on earth for 40 days before he would ascend to the Father. But he was promising his presence with them always. Always to the end of the age. Now thankfully their doubts didn't remain. At, at some point during the 40 days of, of Jesus' ministry on earth with them between his resurrection and his ascension, at some point the, those doubts were washed away. And they were all obedient to the Great Commission. If you are here as a Christian this morning, it is because of their faithfulness. Because they were faithful to proclaim the gospel. And that gospel message went from them to the early church and then on throughout church history, the true gospel, until today. Until the day that you heard the gospel and believed in Jesus Christ. And this is a sign of the faithfulness of the apostles and of those who came after them, but ultimately this is a sign of God's faithfulness. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You're here as a Christian this morning because Jesus is faithful to build his church because he does it through his people. But that great commission did not end with the apostles. It continues with us. We too are ambassadors for Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21 says, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. And then the gospel in a verse for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. 
This is the message of the gospel. This is the gospel appeal being made through the apostles and then on throughout church history to this day. Now just consider for, for a moment about, about how much it changed with, with the apostles. No longer was it, it just Jesus with his small band traveling through the Galilean and the, and the Judean countryside. Now the disciples and the church that was about to be birthed were full of missionary zeal, seeking to make disciples and to baptize disciples everywhere they went. But what changed? They had an encounter with the risen Christ. And so in the authority of the risen Christ and the promise of the presence of the risen Christ, they were faithful to that great commission. S.E. Johnson says that no part of the Bible, with the possible exception of the letter to the Romans, has done more to give Christians a vision of a worldwide church. It has sent them to all nations, bearing the message of salvation through Jesus Christ, and which are, with which are linked the responsibility and the privilege of obeying his words. Have you had an encounter with the risen Christ? Are you revealing the gospel to those around you by your works and by your words? Or are you concealing it like those soldiers and the Pharisees? This is the gospel appeal. We are weak. We are sinful. We are guilty before a holy God and justly deserving of his righteous wrath. Yet out of love for us, God sent his son into this sinful world. His sinless son lived a sinless life, perfectly obeying his heavenly father out of love for him. And perfectly loving those around him out of love for them. And the son obeyed even to the cross where the father poured out his wrath on him. The father crushed his son for us. And Jesus gave up his life but took it up again three days later, demonstrating that God's justice had been satisfied and that so that those who turn away from their sin and put their faith in Jesus Christ will find forgiveness and justification as their guilt is credited to Jesus and as Jesus' righteousness is credited to them. To those who are here this morning as unbelievers, will you repent of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died but rose again? This is the gospel appeal, the good news appeal for you. But to those who are here as believers this morning, angels don't go around telling people that Jesus has risen from the grave anymore. You've been told it is now your responsibility. You have been entrusted with the exact same message. You have been empowered with the exact same Christ. You have been promised the presence of the exact same Christ. Think again about the, the, the two different responses 
to the risen Christ. One group, the disciples, including those women and the, the 11, ha- having, having witnessed the resurrection of Jesus, revealed it to others. But the other, the, the guards and the religious leaders, chose instead to conceal the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. No one is bribing you not to share the good news. What is keeping you from obeying the risen Christ? Let's pray together.